Good morning and welcome to today's PSA programming here on KNCI, KZZO, KYMX, and KHGK. Operated by Bonneville International, I'm Cody Robinson. My first guest is Debbie Guidi, Forest Hill Chamber of Commerce President. She's here to discuss the upcoming Forest Hill Heritage Festival on Saturday, September 2nd. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? My name is Debbie Guidi. I am the president of the Chamber of Commerce for Forest Hill, and I am a retired, but definitely not retired now. (laughs) We are growing our community in leaps and bounds since many of our tragedies, and one of our biggest presents back to our Forest Hill is our Heritage Festival coming up on September 2nd. Great. And that's why we're here today. So let's talk about the Forest Hill Heritage Festival. What's it all about and how long have you been putting it on? Well, the Chamber has been putting this on for over 20 years. It even at one point in time was a two-day event. It's traditionally had gold mining. It has had tree logging. The museum with the Wild West shootout reenactment vendors for food, it's had games for children, traditional pig roast, and that is put on by the American Legion, and they, at 10 o'clock, will start serving pulled pork sandwiches that have been cooking for 24 hours and and ready for you to enjoy. Oh, that sounds amazing. So why do you feel it's important to put something like this on and to learn about the area's history and heritage? The heritage is such a a secret to many as people have moved off the hill and new people have moved in. Mm -hmm. There's so many things to learn, and this is an opportunity to walk around the park in different stages and hear and see what it was like to live back then and what um, our community went to uh, through to stay alive from making soap, making medicine, learning how to make ink, to write with a pen and quill, uh, learning how to make gunpowder so that you could get get your food. There's so many things to learn that you don't know and that the Pony Express went through here. There's a multitude of information and education, and especially for our elementary school. Definitely. So let's go over the basic details. When is it? What times? And what's the admission price? This is absolutely free to the public. Perfect. Free to the public. Thankfully, through some generous sponsors who have paid for the entertainment. And it is September 2nd on a Saturday. It'll start at 10 and at 3. And it is going to be packed full from beginning to end, hopefully everybody can stay for all of it or at least make a glimpse of a couple hours. All right. Sounds like a good time. Could you talk more about the activities and entertainment? Oh, yes, I can. We have three live bands. We're starting out with a gentleman named Denti, and he plays a myriad of music. He plays the guitar. He's been in larger bands, but he is so charming by himself up on the gazebo, and he is going to start out our, our festival. Then it's going to move on to an incredible two young men, 11 and 13, and they are called the Fiddlin' Brothers. They play a mean Devil Went Down to Georgia, and you're going to sit there, stand up in your seat, and drop your mouth open and go, wow. I can't wait. And then, 
Oh, it's excellent. And our last finale band, which is covering all of our musical needs for for all of the speakers and the sound system, is Shirt Tail Canyon Band. And they are, I think it's four four to five members, and they will polish off the evening with stand-up and dance and remember music as it used to be and as it is today. Oh, well, it sounds like it's going to be a blast. And I'm assuming this is a family-friendly event, correct? This is very family-friendly. Friendly. We even have a scarecrow contest for the kids to um, partake in, and there'll be a prize for that. There'll oh. be old-fashioned games for them to play. Um, i.e. sitting on a box and holding a rope and two people tugging and whoever falls off first is the one who loses. And they used to play games as easy as that, and yet they're super fun today. Now, where can listeners get more details on the Heritage Festival? The Heritage Festival um, is pretty popular on our Facebook page, Forest Hill Chamber. We will be we post things every single day. Uh, just a little bit of called a sneak peek of what's happening. So if you follow us on Facebook, you'll see that. And we pan it out to some of the other things in, in Facebook, such as Forest Hill helping Forest Hill. It'll be the same message, but we pan that out to about five other groups. So everybody is able to see that. That's the best place to find us. And that's the best place to see what is happening and what um, if there's any kind of schedule that we have. Actually, we will have a schedule printed out for everybody to grab as they come to the festival. Oh, good. Now, where is this festival? Is there an address for it? It's 24601 Harrison Street, and that is the address for the Veterans Memorial Hall and also Leroy Ebot's Memorial Park. This will fill the whole park and not only that, our signature draw is going to be a covered wagon with Clydesdales pulling that covered wagon, and that ride is going to be free. How cool. This really does sound like a great time. We can't wait for September 2nd. The other thing when you asked me earlier about why someone would want to come here to the Heritage Festival, we also have an old walking tour that will be at 11 a.m., and that's going to be put on by our Forest Hill Museum. And there's a lot of history in the old town. They'll walk you right through it, and I think you're going to be pretty surprised um, how we came to be. They have a, a live blacksmith, one of only two in California that's working, and you'll be able to see some of the things that they made in order to survive, you know, such as axes and saws and things that they used in the early times that we take for granted now. Absolutely. Well, we can't wait for the Heritage Festival, Saturday, September 2nd. That was Debbie Guidi, Forest Hill Chamber of Commerce president. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit forresthillchamber.com. That's forresthillchamber.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to public affairs and care of this station. My next guest is Mario Lopez, owner of Attic Man Heating and Air here in Sacramento. He's here to discuss their Maui fire relief efforts and how you can get involved. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Yes. My name is Mario Lopez. I'm the owner of Attic Man Heating and Air Conditioning in Sacramento. I'm an HVAC contractor. I've been in the heating and air business in Sacramento since I was 16. Just turned 30 
We've built a reputable business, and we service thousands of customers throughout the Sacramento region. Wow. And how long have you been servicing the Sacramento area? My entire life. I was born and raised here. I graduated from El Camino High School in Carmichael in 2011. I got into A-Track when I was 16 at a company over in Gold River, and I've been doing it ever since. Wow, nice. Now, I'm sure everyone has heard about the devastating wildfires in Maui by now, and we're no stranger to wildfires in our region, so we know just how debilitating these disasters can be. So what are you doing to help those affected by these fires, and why are you doing it? You know, I'm not from Hawaii. I wasn't born there, but it's an amazing place, right? You have these fires, like you mentioned, in Sacramento. We've experienced this firsthand ourselves. And to know that they're going through something similar, I mean, it's really upsetting. You know, visiting yeah. Hawaii is like stepping into a paradise. You're, you're on this island in the middle of the ocean. It's like escaping reality and going into a place where it's just everything is so beautiful. You know, the mm-hmm. island, it's an irresistible blend of breathtaking landscape, uh, vibrant cultures. And it's just an escape from the daily grind. So, you know, we absolutely love it there. We visit often, as often as we can. Uh, we've heard about the devastation that happened. It just, it really hit home, you know. It felt mm-hmm. personal, just like the campfire. It, it's just so devastating. All the uh, destruction, all the people who lost their homes, there's still over a 1,000 people missing. You know, it's just really quite unbelievable when you think of a place like Hawaii and, mm-hmm. and to see something like this happen to it. It just doesn't seem real, right? But it is, and it's a, it's a horrible thing. And we want to help any way we can. I think the easiest way for us to help at the moment is just to donate. You know, I mean, these people, there's people living in U-Hauls that their entire lives are gone, just like people that happened here during the campfire. So, you know, we've already made a donation to an organization that's assisting in cleaning up Lahui and, you know, getting materials and supplies needed to those affected by the fires. And we just decided, you know, we're in a position where we own a successful business. And we're going to use that as a, as a tool to help fund more of those relief efforts. So what exactly are you going to do? So, you know, we just decided that every project we're going to do, at first it was going to be a week. Now we're talking, okay, we're, gonna, we're going to do it through the end of the month of August. And now we're talking, maybe we'll keep going through December. You know, basically every big project we do, which for us would be, you know, replacing somebody's heating and air conditioning system or, you know, doing attic insulation work in their home. You know, those types of big main services that we offer. Mm -hmm. Any job that we do, we're going to take $100 from every job and just uh, donate it directly to the relief efforts in Maui. I love that you're doing that. Now, is there a particular organization you're using? Are you going through several? You know, there's a few of them that, that we've done research on. We've donated to a few different ones. You have to be really careful in times like this. You know, right. the scammers are everywhere. Um, you, you really have to do your research and make sure that when you're donating these funds that they're going to, you know, actual relief efforts and not just into somebody's pocket because, unfortunately, that happens often. Mm-hmm. Uh, to name a few of them, I mean, I have a whole list here. Uh, the Hawaii Community Foundation, Maui Strong, they're local on the islands there. Uh, the Maui Food Bank is actually in Maui and helping to feed those people that don't have anywhere to live right now. You have the HCF Maui Strong Fund that's also local in Maui. So there's a few different ones, but if anybody is looking to donate themselves, uh, yeah, I would just implore you to do some research. I kind of discovered that on my own when looking where to donate. Just want to make sure it's a reputable organization. 
Gotcha. So not only are listeners potentially getting a new system with you guys or getting a major project done that they already need, they're donating to Maui Fire Relief. It's really a two for one when you go through Attic Man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, you know, I I didn't want to do this as a way of, you know, trying to drum up business or anything like that. We're a heating and air conditioning system, you know, company, and it's summertime. We're busy. You know, we're really busy. And this is the time of year when, you know, we are the busiest. So it just made sense for us. Okay, well, we're busy. We have all this work going on. Let's go ahead and and do this. Um, But it is, you know, if anybody wants to assist with that, that is a way that that it can happen naturally. If you need a new air conditioning system, great. We're here for you. If we do the work, just know that a portion of that is going towards those relief efforts. Where can listeners get more information on what we discussed today? How can they hear more about Attic Man? Yeah, just uh, our website. It's atticmanhvac.com. All of the information about our company is there. There's a nice video you can watch that really tells about the history of the business and what we stand for. A lot of great information on atticmanhvac.com. Great. And are you on social media as well? I am. Yeah. Uh, our company's Instagram page is at AtticManHVAC. My personal Instagram page, I make a lot of videos about business and heating and air in Sacramento. That is at AtticManMar, M-A-R. You can find us on Facebook and TikTok as well. All right. Thank you so much for doing this. That was Mario Lopez, owner of Attic Man Heating and Air. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit AtticManHVAC.com. That's attic, spelled A-T-T-I-C, man, H-V-A-C, dot com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guest is Amy Delicio, CEO of the California Dairy Council. She's here to discuss the great work that they do, why dairy is a great food and food choice, their mobile dairy classroom, and so much more. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? Hello, my name is Amy Delicio. I'm currently the CEO here at the Dairy Council of California. Um, and my background is I am a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And I currently oversee the work that we do here at the Dairy Council, which includes, you know, providing education to the community, equipping partners with messages on positive nutrition, as well as, you know, building out partnerships and collaborations um, across the state of California to provide nutrition education to um, school children and health professionals. Now, what is the Dairy Council of California and how long has there been one? Yeah, so the Dairy Council of California has been around for over 100 years um, and it was started by dairy farmers right here in California. And it really was a nutrition organization um, originally to help educate children on health and get um, milk into the schools to provide a way to prevent rickets in children. Um, But right now, you know, we've evolved over the time, but we're still a nutrition organization. We work under the direction of the California Department of Food and Agriculture on the behalf of the dairy community. So we work with dairy farmers and processors. Um, And again, we partner with different organizations across the state of California to provide nutrition in schools and communities to really educate on the positive role of dairy that it plays in your diet, as well as, you know, overall health and nutrition. What motivated you to do this kind of work? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, working in the world of nutrition when I started out, just kind of seeing, well, we really need to work on prevention, right? I started out and I I grew up in a small town in Ohio um, where we were maybe more low income and working in my rotations for my um, RDN, I really saw a lot of sick people and started to think about why are people not well? How can we use nutrition as a preventive um, 
way to support people. And then you start to dig in and you really see there are people that have access to healthy foods and people that don't. It could be financial. It could be where they live. So it really opened up my eyes to really working in public health nutrition. So part of that is to really educate people on the value of nutrition, how it helps to them to reach their full potential, but also working with partners and communities and government to include more access to healthy foods like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and dairy foods. Now, what do you love about your job? Yeah, I really love, um, you know, nutrition is something that everyone needs at all stages of life. And also, I get to work um, at the nexus of nutrition, health, and agriculture. So, you know, not only do we work in educating people on nutrition, but we also see the agriculture side. Dairy is actually um, the largest produced crop in the country is produced here. And you really see the value of how dairy goes from um, basically farm to fridge farm to um, school in about 48 hours. So it's really exciting to educate people on nutrition and how it can support them at any stage in their life to be, you know, the healthiest person they can be, reach their full potential, and as well as see that connection to California dairy farmers. What is the goal for the Dairy Council? Yeah, so we really want to support lifelong healthy eating habits for all Californians, right? And also help to increase access to healthy food, like I mentioned. So we really want to see dairy a part of of healthy eating patterns. And we also want to continue to support uh, families in making healthier choices. And that could be through, um, you know, partnering with several nutrition programs like the school breakfast and lunch program where they serve uh, dairy as part of their meals as well as other healthy foods like fruits and vegetables or other Um, Even right now, Summer Meals is out there and they're serving healthy foods to families, um, children everywhere across California to support healthy eating. How are you celebrating and promoting June is Dairy Month? Yeah, so June is National Dairy Month and it's a great way to start off our summers um, with nutrient-rich foods. So we really take this time to appreciate the variety of milk and dairy products that are available and contribute to healthy, sustainable diets, as well as celebrate our California farm families. So Um, Some of the things we're doing this month, we collaborated with the 49ers Foundation on a PSA that really talks about the important contributions of dairy on and off the field and um, how it contributes to nutrition security and healthy communities. Uh, We've developed an activation kit for our partners that we've shared out on social media and through our newsletters. We've also hosted teach and taste activities in classrooms across California where students get to sample different types of dairy foods like different cheeses, yogurts, cottage cheese, and milk. Um, And some of the other things we did in honor of that was publishing the Healthy Eating Table. Um, It's one of our magazines that really focused on the first 1,000 days of life. Um, And we're also hosting a nutrition webinar in collaboration with the California Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And why is dairy a great food and food choice? Yeah, so dairy, you know, again, it comes in so many different varieties. You can choose, you know, what fits best for you, um, whether you like milk, cheese, yogurt, cottage cheese, um, ice cream here and there. Why not? But of the value of um, dairy foods is great. It improves bone health, which many of us know, you know, from the calcium. But there's also many other benefits. It reduces blood pressure, uh, can have a reduced risk of cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes. There's also this connection to improve digestive health and gut health, which we know is really helps and benefits overall health. We also um, are seeing new research where it's showing it supports brain health and academic achievement in young children and school-age children. So, of course, 
that's super important. It's also usually easy accessible in communities. Kids are getting it at school. You find it in most of your grocery stores, different varieties, um, and it's low processed, available. And like we said, you know, it comes to you. It's farm to fork. It comes to you, your table within about 48 hours. So it's really um, fresh and healthy as well. Now, how does the Dairy Council promote nutrition and nutrition equity? Yeah, so, you know, we really look at providing all of our resources and programs at no cost to communities and community partners, so those are available. Um, We continue to work to make sure that dairy is easily accessible, so we know it's at schools, we want to see it in different grocery stores and communities. We partner with local organizations, um, like maybe pantries and other community organizations, and sometimes are able to offer them grants to provide additional education in their communities um, that is really culturally appropriate and relevant. Um, And we really believe that dairy can be part of that solution to nutrition security, again, because of its unique nutrition profile, it's low cost, it's widely available. Um, And if fits across many different diet patterns and cultures. So um, it's really a way to promote nutrition um, at a low cost for everyone. Mm. What is the dairy matrix? Yeah, so the dairy matrix is like kind of this unique composition of dairy foods. And, it, you know, in, a, in addition to the protein and vitamins and minerals that we're aware of, there's also these non-nutrient components known as bioactive compounds, which are embedded within dairy foods. And they really promote health. Like we talked about, it improves gut microbiome and gut health. And these can really build your support for more immunity and healthy overall health. And you can really see those if you include yogurt and cheese in your diet um, as part of your healthy choices. What are some of the essential vitamins and nutrients found in milk? Yeah, so milk has 13 essential nutrients, you know, that both children and adults need for healthy immune function, stronger bones, hydration, growth and development, and it supports overall wellness. And some of those um, nutrients you might think of are protein, calcium, phosphorus, a variety of vitamins like A, D, B2, B3, B5, and B12. And it also includes minerals like iodine, potassium, selenium, and zinc. And all of these work together to improve health. And why would you say the work of the Dairy Council is so meaningful and necessary? Yeah, so I think um, it's really important because we provide this free education. We really value partnerships with different organizations to reach all communities here in California to have that collective impact on nutrition and health. Um, And we also work to build this value for dairy agriculture Um, Dairy ag is, again, the biggest agriculture in here in California. 99% of our farms are ran by farm families. So we like to really help to connect that link of where your food comes from and how it is nutritious and helps you grow, too. Is dairy important for all life stages? I think when we think milk, we think kids, right? Yeah, really, dairy fits into any life stage, but we are seeing some really critical life um, stages where it might even be more important. So. Um, One of the stages that we look at is the first 1,000 days of life. So that includes when moms are pregnant or other people are pregnant and having babies um, zero up until the age of two. It's a very critical growth and development period where you're seeing, you know, babies double in size and um, have a lot of brain growth during that time. So we're seeing that good connection of including milk and dairy as first foods including whole fat milk in the first year of life uh, from one to eight, from age one to age two, to really see the best um, health results. And then also for kids, they're also growing and learning constantly. So milk and dairy provides 
those 13 essential nutrients during that key life of stage and sets up that foundation for adult health. And we're also starting to look at that later stage in life, older adults, because the California population and the U.S. population is aging. So looking at the 55 and older and, you know, more and more um, older adults are looking at ways to we're living longer, right? And we want to be healthy. So how can milk and dairy actually provide that? And there's been some studies showing, you know, improved bone health, overall health, less falls and things of that nature. So we really feel that dairy fits in all life stages and can be really healthy um, addition to anyone's diet. Now, I heard the Dairy Council won a Telly Award for its Let's Eat Healthy Together broadcast series. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, that was a series that we partnered with the Los Angeles Unified School District and the local PBS station in Los Angeles. Um, It is a 12-episode series. Um, related all about nutrition, the five food groups, dairy nutrition. It has a food. It takes students on a food adventure. So those those episodes aired on PBS throughout the winter and spring. And yes, we won two Telly Awards: a bronze award for the overall series and a silver award for the breakfast episodes. So we're really excited to you know extend those um, episodes across California and in, in schools across California, so students can continue to learn from those. Um, video series. Good. Now, what is the mobile dairy classroom and why is hands-on education so vital? Yeah, so we um, have that mobile dairy classroom. It's kind of, the uh, we like to call it the original farm to fork. It's our original learning lab. It's the assembly that is offered to schools across California that really uses a live working cow to teach um, the students about where their food comes from and also about how to make healthy choices across the five food groups. Um, We do those in person, but also we now offer those sessions virtually, and those can be booked online at healthyeating.org from any school site that might be interested. And we really feel like this furthers agricultural literacy, um, students understand where their food comes from, how, how cows are well cared for by the farmer, and they have this unique experiential learning experience. And we feel, we hear people remember, we actually have had a case where we've gone to a school and a teacher was like, hey, I remember getting this when I was a student, and now their students are also receiving the same assembly. So it's something that people really remember, and it's um, really one of our signature programs. Now, is the Dairy Council statewide, and could you talk about the communities that you serve? Yeah, we do serve California statewide, and now that we offer some of our virtual programs and digital resources, we do know that people across uh, the country and even the world might log in or um, download some of our resources. But yeah, we we definitely work. um, You know, we can't do all of this work alone. We have a really great staff, but we work with partnerships across the states. We work with schools and educators, other nutrition champions, healthcare professionals, um, and maybe some of our government agency partners to really get these resources out in the hands of families. Um, And we do a variety of different um, events um, and educational programming to reach Californians. And we do provide all of these resources at no charge. Oh, that's fantastic. So what kind of staffing do you have and what roles do they serve? Yeah, so we have um, a variety of staff, you know, some that are regionally based working in the film, building those partnerships that I just spoke of. We have registered dietitians that are really continuously studying the science of nutrition and how dairy fits into healthy diets. Um, And we also have media and communication professionals that are, you know, providing those messages through social media and blogs and other communication tools to get to the broader um, Californians. Um, And then, of course, we have our mobile dairy class 
room instructors that are instructing at those, those assemblies and working with um, cows and calves across California. Now, do you work closely with the dairy farmers and dairy processors? Absolutely. So this um, is kind of like we are funded through the dairy farmers and dairy processors, kind of their philanthropic contribution um, to the state of California to really provide um, this free education to everyone. And um, we're able to kind of leverage those dollars to collaborate with other local, state, national and international organizations to really see that vision come through and have greater outcomes and impacts. And again, really at the heart of it, we really want to see strong, healthy Californias growing up um, and achieving, you know, and also having that academic achievement from having those healthy breakfasts and lunches. So what are ways that you activate the work of the Dairy Council in the field? Yeah, so we also we implement the Let's Eat Healthy initiative, and that really is a network of partners from different, you know, the education, healthcare, and other community partners. Um, and we work together and we create a network of sharing and learning. And also, um, you can join us, go back to our website at healthyeating.org slash let's eat healthy. And you can find ways to join our movement. You can sign up to be a partner and you'll receive different e-newsletters and learn more about what we're doing and how you can get involved in different activities and events that we host. Have there been times when you've seen the Dairy Council improve lives? Yeah, so we hear it from, you know, our partners or like our students, like I mentioned, are really excited about seeing that cow. Um, We really hear our partners are really happy using our resources and how they've made a difference in their classroom. We see all of these successes of really uh, making an impact and difference in these different communities. Now, what's the future of the Dairy Council of California? Yeah, so I think we're going to continue to stay true to our roots and providing this ongoing free nutrition education, continuing to connect nutrition and agriculture together and look at farm to school and farm to fork opportunities. Um, We also want to um, be modern and look at what are ways that we can reach uh, communities and families through digital means, whether that's online or Um, making those more accessible through virtual tours and things of that nature. So we want to continue to build out those messages and work with partners um, and have these Let's Eat Healthy champions across California, really educating our students um, and families on the important role that dairy and other healthy eating plays um, in overall health for people of all ages. Now, do you have a website and can you get more information on what we discussed today there? Absolutely. Our website is healthyeating.org, and you can get a wealth of information if you're really interested in some of our um, June is Dairy Month activities. That is healthyeating.org slash dairy, and you can find our PSA with the 49ers as well as our activation toolkit there as well. Great. And do you have social media channels? You can find us on Facebook at healthyeating.org. Um, And we're also on other channels, just Google Healthy Eating, and then we'll connect you to our Instagram, Facebook, and different channels to follow us and learn more about what we're doing across the state and how you can get some of our resources. All right. Thank you. That was Amy Delicio with the Dairy Council of California. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit healthyeating.org. That's healthyeating.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guest is Justine Fisher with CalHOPE School Initiative. She's here to discuss what that is and the free resources available to schools and school communities. Thanks for being with us. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? My name is Justine Fisher, and I am the community director for the CalHOPE Schools Initiative. And my role is 
to um, encourage schools and educational organizations and groups to utilize these free, amazing resources that are provided through CalHOPE um, to answer questions and support them and support the partners who are creating uh, the films and materials and resources for the CalHOPE Schools Initiative. Great. And for those who might not know, what is CalHOPE? So CalHOPE, which is part of the Department of California's Department of Healthcare Services, is an outreach portion of that organization that began during the pandemic when we were noticing that so many people were having mental health challenges and some crisis and some trauma. And so CalHOPE was formed, and it was originally formed with Crisis Line. And then as we started to see more and more the need and more and more communities for different challenges, CalHOPE moved into creating many other programs that support mental well-being, mental health, especially for youth, but for also for adults and other community members. Now, what is CalHOPE Schools Initiative and why was it created? So CalHOPE Schools Initiative was created to specifically support educators and youth and the educational community. What we know from the pandemic was, you know, that was a kind of a point in time that no one was prepared for. No one really knew how to handle, and it was quite stressful for youth and educators. It was very isolating um, because obviously schools are pretty social places. And so the schools initiative was created so that educators and families and students within the public school system had easy one-point access for materials and resources to support youth and educators and families both in the school and at home. Now, why is there still concern with mental well-being and mental health in schools? And what are we seeing post-pandemic? So interestingly, I mean, this was kind of a global trauma, if you will, if you understand in the sense of the fear of not knowing and so many people in some way knowing someone or knowing someone who lost someone um, during the pandemic, that kind of plays out on all of us in a way, especially for younger people, right? All of our adult lives are shaped by our childhood and um, teen experiences. And so this is like a marker, um, the pandemic was, for so many youth and children, um, that fear of not knowing, the fear of concern about being ill, or maybe a family member was ill, or they lost a family member, or family members lost a job. I mean, these are traumatic crisis points. And so we don't just turn on and off as human beings. We kind of have to cope through this through, you know, ongoing. And so with that, schools are seeing and, you know, continue to see students really still trying to navigate all of that um, and come through that in a healthy way so that they can continue to learn and be productive and positive in their life and in their schoolwork. Yeah, absolutely. When CalHOPE says no cost and no catch for CA public schools, does that mean that the resources are freely available for use and who can access them? Yeah, so that's the best part of this whole thing, free, um, because we do know that our schools do struggle. They do have a lot of financial challenges and a lot of financial need. So um, the resources are available to all public schools, public school districts, county offices of education, students, families, organizations that support schools or support youth within the school, and there isn't any cost. 
you can just access all of the films, all of the resources, all of the accompanying materials. Um, it's kind of a one-stop shop. You just make an account at calhopeschools.org, and then you're able, you get a code, and you're able to revisit that. Um, website with that code. You're able to share that code with people in your school community so that everyone has access to these materials. Now, how can listeners access the resources and can they share them with their school or school community? Yeah, so super easy and so shareable. Just share away. So what can you just get in that um, website? You get your code, you go in and you say, hey, I'm going to watch this today. Wow, I found a great resource. I watched one of the films or I watched, um, I looked at one of the professional development options or the workbooks or whatever was accessible. And I want to share this with my cohort. I want to share this with my principal. I want to share this with my families. And you say, hey, here's the code. You get to use this too. So it's really, really easy um, to sign up, to navigate, and then to please share. Um, these are materials that are best shared among our colleagues um, and our school communities and our families. Now, what type of support is there for utilizing the resources? So we do have a weekly office hour that you can sign up for and talk to um, someone. If you have some questions about how to use, utilize the materials or, or what to access them, there is a contact um, on the website that goes directly to me so I can answer any questions. Um, if you're having a technical issue with the website, there is a contact for a tech person who's happy to jump on and help you out. Um, so it's very easy to utilize all of these resources. In the resources, there is a focus on hope and resilience and building trusting relationships and spaces. How is this helpful for school communities? And, and what about at home? What we know for all of us as human beings, but especially youth, and how our brains work is that we are creatures that need relationships and groups. Yeah. And that trusted relationship, especially for youth with an adult um, that may be in their family or maybe at school or maybe the bus driver that's taking them to school, um, whatever that, whoever that person is, whoever that trusted relationship is, really helps youth navigate challenges. It really helps them build hope and resilience. It gives us kind of a support system. And while we know that some of our role with youth, um, who educators who work with youth, is to help them gain all of those skills into adulthood so they can manage their own lives. Um, having that person there who's positive, who's helping find that hope, helping them build the resilience for these challenge, challenges are really, really important. And all of these skills and resources that they learn at home and in school, right, are, are what help youth become adults and hopefully in turn become trusted adults for youth that will be in their life later on down the road. Are these resources also available in Spanish? Yeah, they are. They are also available in Spanish. And that is a uh, URL for that is calhopeschools.org slash ES. Or you can just go on the website and it's a little toggle for you to say, I want to go to the Spanish website. These resources support student families and educators' mental health and well-being, but they aren't counseling services, correct? Right. So these are resources to support well-building. Well sorry, these are resources to 
uh, support well-being and to, again, build that hope and resilience we all need so that we can move forward in a positive way. Um, there are other support services and counseling services through the department, uh, the California Department of Healthcare Services, through other agencies, through CalHOPE, but the specifics of the CalHOPE School Initiative is not a counseling service. It is um, a base service that everyone needs in um, supporting our own mental well-being and understanding once we understand that kind of base service who may really need to be reached out to to get further support. Got it. Now, the CalHOPE School Initiative is part of CalHOPE Student Support. What other programs does CalHOPE provide? So CalHOPE has a warm line, which you can connect to um, with peer counselors. Um, They have a a line especially for the First Peoples of California, the First Nation. Um, There is a CalHOPE student support that's part of the um, community of practice that's run through the Sacramento County Office of Ed. There's CalHOPE Courage Awards. There is a lot of things happening in CalHOPE to support our youth, and they're all accessible at calhope.org. And what are the website URLs for CalHOPE School Initiative and CalHOPE? So you can go to calhope.org, and it'll take you everywhere. And you can go to calhopeschools.org, and it will take you to all the resources that are from the CalHOPE Schools Initiative. Great. Thank you for doing this. That was Justine Fisher with CalHOPE School Initiative. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit calhopeschools.org. That's calhopeschools.org. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. My next guest is Kirsten Gwynn, Marketing Director for the North Lake Tahoe Community Alliance. As we head into the summer months, this will be a busy time for North Lake Tahoe and their beaches, so we wanted to chat with Kirsten about how best to leave the area better than you found it so Lake Tahoe can be enjoyed by future generations. Thanks for being here. Could you introduce yourself and provide a little background on what you do? My name is Kirsten Gwynn. I'm the Director of Marketing for the North Tahoe Community Alliance. Um, And our organization is the destination management organization for all of North Lake Tahoe. And our focus is essentially making Tahoe a more beautiful place for all of our residents, visitors, um, and guests. I love that. And I love North Lake. Now, North Lake Tahoe implemented the Traveler Responsibility Pledge two years ago, and there are six different tenets. So let's go through these. What's the first one? The first one is to be a steward of Lake Tahoe. And this one really speaks to the fact that, you know, everyone who comes to North Lake Tahoe has a responsibility to take care of the region. And so we're really asking people to consider themselves to be active stewards. This is a you know, a behavior, a responsibility that we all need to adapt. And so this includes things like, you know, stay on the designated trails, um, park your car legally and responsibly, clean up any litter that you see before it gets into our lake or into the rivers, Um, use public transportation. We have an amazing um, app-based free micro transit solution here in Lake Tahoe. It can get you to trailheads. It can get you to beaches. It can take you out to dinner. Um, and then, of course, we're a small business community. So help keep our community vibrant and thriving and, you know, patronize our businesses and eat out at our restaurants. And, you know, by doing all of these things, um, North Lake Tahoe will remain a vibrant, thriving community for generations to come. 
Obviously, the environment is huge for North Lake Tahoe, and the second tenant has to do with that. What is the second part of the pledge? Um, The second part is all about respecting the environment. So, you know, we talk about taking care of the environment, but we also need to have respect for the environment. So packing out what you pack in, um, following the tenets of leave no trace, um, find a trash can. If the trash can is full, find another one, Um, pick up after your pet. And say no to single-use plastic. We have some of the most amazing tap water in the plant on the planet mm. here in Lake Tahoe. It keeps you hydrated. It's good for you. It tastes delicious. So leave the single-use plastic water bottles behind. Drink Tahoe tap, um, and you know just remember that everything you do up here has an impact. Right. Um, and so we just want people to really, really come come to Tahoe with the mindset of that. They're up here because the environment is so spectacular, and so we need them to take care of it and respect it. All great points. Now, weather conditions play a big part in the wintertime, but are also important during the summer months. This has to do with the third tenet of staying educated. So what's that part of the pledge mean? For sure. Um, So it's really about being prepared. So you need to be, you know, again, everyone comes up here to be outside. So be prepared to be outside. Um, In the summertime, we have beautiful, calm mornings, but they give way to often very windy afternoons. So if you're planning an adventure out on the lake, be prepared. Um, The wind could pick up. Check the weather. Know where you're going. Have a map. Um, And then, you know, for the the bigger things, sign up for alerts. Placer County has a fantastic alert system. Um, They give out, they have travel advisories. There's emergency updates. You know, we hope we don't ever see it again, but there's wildfire um, and evacuation um, alerts. So, you know, know what those are, sign up for them. And, and when you receive those alerts, take them seriously. Um, we have a great know before you go guide on gotahonorth.com that can link you to all of those resources. So check out the guide and just be aware and be prepared to handle changing circumstances. This is the mountains. We are at a very high elevation. Weather can change quickly. So know what you're getting into before you get into it and be prepared to get yourself out of it if you need to. Right. Now, people love seeing all the wildlife in North Lake Tahoe, but the fourth part of the Traveler Responsibility Pledge warns of getting too close. Now, could you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Up here, again, you know, we're in the mountains. We're surrounded by wildlife. This is, after all, their habitat. Um, So we just want to keep the wildlife wild. And what that means is keep your distance, um, keep your pets under control. Your dog might be the most friendly off-leash dog in the world, but what's your dog going to do when they see a bear on the trail, for example? Um, So, you know, keep your pets under control so that they don't spook the wildlife. Um, don't feed the birds, don't feed the squirrels, Um, let them be wild animals as well. And to protect yourself and your property, don't leave any food in your car, Um, especially in the summertime. If you leave food in your car overnight, bears will get into your car. So again, and that's not keeping the wildlife wild. So a lot of times people say like, oh, well, I don't feed the wildlife. It's like, well, did you handle your trash responsibly? Did you leave food in your car? Because that's all feeding wildlife. So right. we want to just be respectful. We want to keep the wildlife wild. Um, if you're staying in one of our neighborhoods, there's a bear box. Understand how to use the bear box for your garbage. Um, don't put your trash out the night before. Certainly don't put it out three days before trash collection day because that's not being respectful of our wildlife. Sure.
Now, a big concern in the area is always fires. So the fifth tenet is especially important. What is the fifth one of the pledge? Definitely. Uh, You know, Fourth of July is a beautiful holiday. We all love to celebrate. This year we had a spectacular drone show. Mm -hmm. Um, We have moved to drone shows in the summertime. So there's a Tahoe City drone show on the Fourth of July. There was also a drone show in Incline Village on the Fourth of July. And then coming up on Labor Day, there will be a drone show in King's Beach. Um, And this is just because it's, it's better for our environment. Again, it's better for our wildlife. Um, it doesn't pollute the lake. So we've moved, we're moving away from fireworks to drone shows. And then also understand, and this is true in all of California, personal fireworks are never allowed. There are a enormous risk up here in Lake Tahoe. So please don't think that, you know, it's a good idea anytime or anywhere. There's no fireworks. Um, and then just understand the fire restrictions. There, there's often restrictions around campfires, outdoor fire pits, any kind of open flame. Um, so even if you're going to a campground, again, be respectful. So- soak your ashes, stir them, make sure they're completely cold before you leave your campsite. Um, we just need people to be vigilant and to be prepared anytime that they are around fire. And again, it just it will keep this place beautiful for generations to come if we can all be vigilant with our own behaviors. Absolutely. Kirsten, what is the last tenet for the Travel Responsibility Pledge? This one is the best. It really is a getting into just your mindset when you're up here. And we just want everyone to demonstrate mindful travel as they move through North Lake Tahoe. Um, you know, kindness goes a long way in, in any community, but especially in small communities. Um, our locally owned businesses appreciate all of your patience. Um, we would love it if you if you arrive at your destination, your, the beach you're going to or the trailhead, and it's crowded and the parking is all full. You know, move on. Discover a new location. There are so many nooks and crannies up here to find. Um, you know, there's and our visitor center is a great uh, resource for that. So stop in at the visitor center and say, look, you know, we've already done all the major stuff or, you know, where can we go where we can get away from, you know, everything? And they'll give you great advice. Um, and then when you do see people on the trail, say hello. You know, make sure you're using good trail etiquette, especially when you're on our bike path. Um, and if you're staying in one of our neighborhoods, just make sure that, you, you know, you keep your noise levels down. Um, and you park your car responsibly. So we want we want Tahoe to be a happy place for everyone. Um, and so it's just a couple of things as you move through the community to just be mindful of, of, you know, your impact on the people around you. Now, this is really such a great reminder to everyone about why sustainability is so important. What inspired North Lake Tahoe to implement this pledge? For sure. During, um, you know, during COVID, Lake Tahoe was a very accessible destination for many, many people. And so we experienced a a gigantic influx, um, both of visitors coming to to spend some time in the outdoors and breathe the fresh air. And then also, you know, a lot of people moved up here. And so our, our population has just grown. And so there's just more people. There's more people everywhere, um, but there's more people in Lake Tahoe. And so we really saw a need to say, you know, hey, people want to do the right thing. We, we know everybody wants to take care of Tahoe. How could you not? That's why you came here. But maybe people need a little bit of help understanding exactly what they do. So we put together the pledge as kind of this neat little package to help people understand, like, if you're, if you're following the tenets of the, the Traveler Responsibility Pledge and you're taking these things to heart and you're, you're just really trying to understand where you have an impact and how you can mitigate or lessen or reduce or, or completely remove your impact, then we'll all be doing our job to be better stewards of Lake Tahoe. 
Besides the Traveler Responsibility Pledge, what other ways can travelers practice sustainability in the destination? Um, well, one of the biggest ones is, is to say no to the to the plastic. So we are we need to keep our lakes and our rivers clean and microplastics, soda cans, beer cans, cigarette butts, um, water balloons, bottle caps, all of these things. These are what we are constantly cleaning up off of our beaches. We had a huge community-wide cleanup yesterday after the 4th of July and you know, you, you you don't think that, like, the one thing you dropped is going to make a difference, but we clean up thousands and thousands of pounds of garbage every year. So just, you know, remember to keep the lake clean, keep the river clean, um, even organic trash. It, it does not, it doesn't compost up here. So banana peels, orange rinds, pistachio shells, make sure that those things come out with you. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other, another thing that's really going on right now um, you know, when you bring up your, your inflatable kayak or your inflatable paddleboard, um, this is a beautiful place to be kayaking and to be paddleboarding. But just always remember that your stuff needs to be clean, drained, and dry before you put it in the lake. Invasive species uh, are a major contributor to cloudy water, and we all need to do our part to keep them out of our waterways. So when you show up to blow up, make sure your gear is clean, drained, and dry prior to the launch. Um, and then we also want to make sure we protect the shoreline. So park your car responsibly, clean up after your pet, find a trash can, or take it with you. Um, and that'll help keep both the shoreline and the lake and the river, and everything will just remain pristine. Now let's go back to Tart Connect. What is that all mm-hmm. about? And do you have any insider tips for how to use this free shuttle? Sure. Tart Connect is basically free Uber on the North Lake Ta- in North Lake Tahoe. So it's, it's an app. You download the app. Um, and then you request a ride, and it's door-to-door, so it comes and picks you up at your location. It oh, drops wow. you off at your location. It can carry bikes. Um, you can bring your inflatable paddleboard on TART, and then um, and it's free. So it's, it's a great way to get around. Um, the more people that use it, the fewer cars that we'll have on the road, so we'll reduce the congestion and the traffic. Um, you can use it to get to the ski resorts. You can use it to get to the lake. You can use it to take yourself out to dinner. Um, it's a great resource. It runs um, 16 hours a day in the summertime. It can get you from anywhere in North Lake Tahoe. There's two different regions, and they connect. Um, so I would really encourage people coming up. It's, it's great for um, parents who want to give their children independence, but they're not in a car. So mm-hmm. kids can ride it without parents um, as long as they know where they're going. So it's Heart Connect is a really great resource um, for visitors to take advantage of when they're coming up to Tahoe, especially in the summer months. Wow, that sounds so convenient. I feel like more people need to take advantage of that. Do you feel as if travelers coming to North Lake Tahoe are booking more eco-conscious trips? Oh, definitely. They're, they're, I think everyone is more aware of their impact. Um, they're trying to, you know, do the right thing. They're trying to make sure that they're not, you know, the one that's setting us over the edge. So people are definitely, um, you know, we had a, a lot of people participate in our beach cleanup yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, I think parents want to get their kids out there and show them how to take care of nature. Right. So I, I do feel that um, everyone who's coming up here is, is looking for a more eco-conscious experience. And, you know, that's what Tahoe is all about. Like, we're all about here on the North Shore, human-powered sports. So if you want to come up here and you want to be outside in nature and you want it to be peaceful, you need to be part of that peacefulness. And and I feel that that's really um, making its way into people's mindsets as they move around in North Lake Tahoe. Now, what are some eco-conscious activities visitors can do in North Lake? 
anything that is a human powered sport is going to be an ego conscious activity. So hiking, riding your bike, getting out on the lake, going for a swim, all of these things that, you know, really just require, are you out in, out in the forest or out on the water? Um, you know, those are some of the, the, the more eco-conscious activities. We have a great zip lining um, organization here in Tahoe. They have two different locations. One is in Tahoe City, one's in Tahoe Vista. Again, that's a, that's a great activity to just like be in the trees and experiencing the forest in a completely different way. Um, and then all of our, our, our rental and retail shops have amazing tips for how to get out into the environment and to enjoy yourself. So stop into one of our local bike shops or a local running shop, um, or, you know, rent an e-bike, leave, if, you know, if don't drive your car, rent an e-bike and you can use that as your transportation for the whole time you're here. There's tons of ways. Um, almost everything you can do up here is an eco-conscious activity. So just pop into a local shop and, and get some advice and tips and, you know, for ideas of what you want to do, go to gotahonorth.com. Now people will bring their own kayaks and paddle boards to the lake, but this can be problematic. Could you talk about that? Right. So that is all about bringing invasive species into Lake Tahoe. And obviously nobody wants to do that. Invasive species are a major contributor to cloudy water. We all need to do our part to keep them out. So when you bring your kayak or you bring your inflatable paddleboard up, make sure it's clean, drained, and dry prior to your launch. So set it up, pump it up, do everything you need to do, dry it off, spray it down, and then sit for 20 minutes. Let it just dry out for 20 minutes. And while you're doing that, you can check out laketahowatertrail.org. There's tons of ideas, maps, resources, information on that site for paddlers. Um, And while you're there, make sure you protect the shoreline, park your car responsibly, clean up after your pet, bring all your trash out with you or find a trash can. Um, So as long as everybody follows those three tenets of clean, drained, and dry prior to launch, we will do a better job of keeping invasive species out of all of our waterways. And this, is, this applies to everything, Lake Tahoe, the Truckee River. If you're hiking your paddleboard up to one of our alpine lakes, it, it applies everywhere. Um, and it's most important if you've been putting your, um, your kayak or your paddleboard into waterways outside of Lake Tahoe. You have to do this before you put your, your gear into Lake Tahoe. Now, we know summer will be busy. If people are going to be in North Lake Tahoe during the summer, what do you recommend? Be outside as much as you possibly can. The weather is stunning. Um, the bike path is clear. Rent a bike. Bring up your e-bike. Um, just be outside as much as you can possibly be because it is gorgeous. And for those of us who will use your tips and plan a visit midweek, what would you suggest are things we should do or places we should go? I would definitely say spend some time on the lake, but I would also say the ski resorts in the summertime are just little bastions of fun. So at Palisades Tahoe, they've got live music. They've got the Via Ferrata. Um, North Star has their mountain bike park. So I would say, you know, definitely get in the lake, take in the lake, but also, you know, head back to one of our mountainside communities because there are so many fun activities. It is easy to get lost and spend a whole day you know, enjoying all of the activities that they have back there. Um, So don't forget about the resort communities in the summertime. They're perfect for midweek fun. And where can listeners get more information on what we discussed today? Do you have a website or social media pages? Definitely. It's all at gotahonorth.com. 
All right. Thanks for doing this. That was Kirsten Gwynn, Marketing Director for the North Lake Tahoe Community Alliance. If you would like more information on what we discussed today, visit GoTahoeNorth.com. If you have questions regarding this program, please direct your correspondence to Public Affairs and Care of This Station. Hi, I'm Dr. Anita Chandra with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. To keep your family healthy and safe, it's important to be ready if disasters happen. Develop a family communication plan. Make sure your family, including your children, know how to reach each other. Make a kit with first aid supplies, medicine, medical records, and comforting things for your child. Finally, talk about what to do when emergencies happen, like streets flooding, a power outage, or a fire. For more, visit HealthyChildren.org.